one. Um, it's kind of odd always trying to, to talk to a just to a screen here. I'm used to kind of doing things in person, but this is uh, this is the world we're living in today. Um, so I guess what I'll do to start out this this conversation, I, I like to have a very transparent and fluid conversation. I think for me, the best ways is to please drop in any questions, comments, perspectives in, in the chat over there to the right or your left or however this is uh, kind of structured for you. Um, I'm excited to kind of chat with you all today. I, I was I was privileged and honored to get this uh, to get this invitation to speak about six months ago, actually. So it's been a long time coming and um, pretty excited to jump in. So what I'll do is to kind of give you a structure of today. I'll do my intro. I'll kind of my intro is a bit long, but it's but the, the the context and the reasons why I'm going through the ebbs and flows of the background will will kind of be really helpful for you. And then I'll jump into right into my three tips, um, give give some context, give some perspective, give some examples, um, give some like tactical approaches of how to really implement it. And then I'll inevitably jump right into figuring out ways to try to support you and help you all as well. Um, quick little sidebar here. Actually, let me cancel this. Uh, I have an alarm that will go off at 3 p.m. So I want to make sure this doesn't go off and then we'll jump right into my my background here. Um, so for starters, you know, I, I'm a 33 year old young man, but I feel like I'm 40. Um, and that's because I started my career at 19. And so at 19 years old, I was a former I was a former football player running back in West Virginia. Thought I was doing the whole NFL thing. And then inevitably what I found is that I came home for some personal reasons uh, to help out mama a bit. She was going through a hard time. You know, my dad had just passed away. And inevitably what I found myself into was about 18 months later, I was running an 80-person full-time uh, football uh, academy. And so inevitably what we did with that business is we were doing a lot of on-field training, a lot of psychological training, and a lot of educational training. But what we also did, which allowed us to scale and allowed us to actually do a partnership and an integration with Under Armour is we added a technology component that a lot of the athletes would be able to utilize some psychological training um, at home. And so that allowed us to scale. Um, telling you how I did that, I, I really can't explain it to this day. Um, I think a lot of the friends, colleagues, family members, um, my, my wife now, who, who just got married three weeks ago, but um, you know, who, who was kind of around me at that time, couldn't even tell you themselves, right? I don't know inevitably how it all happened. Obviously, I understand some of the tactics that I did. I understand some of the approaches that I took. Um, but to be that young and to be able to immediately jump to Under Armour and partnerships and integrations and mergers and, and figuring out how to put a team together, I don't really, I can't really tell you. You know, I had a, my first job was Burger King before that. <laughs> um, and, and, and before that, you know, I spent, all of my life, you know, on the field trying to, to get to the highest levels. And so for me, that was kind of the business model that I was running. Um, we did very well. We, again, we grew to 70 plus over the course of uh, two and a half plus years. And then inevitably, as we were entering our third year and approaching 100 full time, I started realizing that we were having some people issues. And the people issue that I had, was, frankly, on my team, which was someone that was supposed to be an equity partner, and he wasn't. 
And simply all he wanted to have was a career mapping conversation. He wanted to have an inclusive environment where he could share his thoughts, his opinions, his perspectives. And um, I didn't respect that. You know, I was an arrogant 21 year old at the time. Um, I didn't understand what a career mapping conversation was. I didn't know about laddering. I didn't know about, um, you know, strategically navigating who we need now contextually to who we need in the future. Um, I didn't understand one on ones. Uh, I didn't understand the importance of any of that. Now, thinking back again, I don't really understand why I understood the business stuff before I understood the people stuff. Typically, to a certain degree, folks understand the people side maybe before they understand pure business. But for me, it was kind of the reverse. Um, I ignored the conversation six times. Yes, six times. And uh, inevitably, the seventh time he had tried to approach the conversation, he came at the conversation very aggressively. Um, you know, we are, we are two young African-American males uh, from West Baltimore, kind of going at it, trying to figure out what inevitably we're going to do at a very young age. And that conversation inevitably ended with him leaving the business. Um, he was the linchpin to the Under Armour deal and contract that we had. Um, and when so, when he left, Under Armour left. And as you probably can imagine, when Under Armour left, 99.9% .9 of every single human being that was making an impact for the business also left. And so for me, I was looking at uh, an office, a facility, a business that was uh, that was empty and I was the last one standing. And so for me, that taught me a lot about how to not. Oh, let me let me rearrange what I'm trying to say here. It taught me a lot of the importance of the I and DE&I, you know, creating inclusive environments and cultures and leadership best practices. It taught me a lot about what not to do. And it took me down this deep path. And so to speed up my background, I gave you about five minutes on that first piece, but hopefully it'll, this will make sense for you. I inevitably learned from that point on that I have to understand this work. So I dove very deep into DE&I. I dove very deep into organizational psychology. I dove very deep into neuroscience. I dove very deep into um, creating, and, uh, creating and building out high-performing teams. I dove very deep into a lot of strategic atmospheres and elements of HR overall and leadership. And um, I inevitably went on to start a second brand, but I found myself around 25 uh, becoming the head of people for a few high growth startups here in the DMV area. Um, they were about 90 and 115 employees at the time. And inevitably, I started building out this E1B2 employees first business second methodology that inevitably was a combination of all the best practices, tools, resources, perspectives that I was studying over the years. And inevitably what I did is I, I landed my first gig as a head of people and I came up to work very different. You know, I sat between the CEO and the COO and I'll be very honest and blunt, bluntly real with you all. The fact that I built six and seven figure brands before the age of 25 got me got me an opportunity to have a conversation at a different level. I think, you know, a lot of us that may be on this, this, this chat here in this video today that are heads of DEI internally, HR practitioners internally, any sort of role, frankly, within the HR landscape, you may find yourself having difficult conversations with those that are in leadership positions. Um, and typically at times, it's because they feel like you don't understand what they're going through. At times, it feels like they that you may not understand how they're seeing the work, how they're how they're seeing decision making. And for me, I think the way that I was able to get buy in pretty quickly 
was that no one could say that to me. You know, I really understood business at a really pure level. I understood inevitably all the different layers and all the different variances of what we needed to do to scale an organization to a certain degree, of course. Um, and that coupled with my E1B2 methodology really helped. And so a lot of the work that I'm going to be talking about today from a DEI perspective was actually created then. Um, and so that'll, again, it'll all round out for you. Um, I ran that, I ran that, ran that business. I ran that people operation literally until the COVID, uh, the pandemic happened, COVID-19. And I was furloughed like millions of, of us were across the world. And when I was furloughed, I inevitably made the decision that I wanted to try to tap into the entrepreneurial landscape again from, from a completely different angle. I said, I'm going to try to help companies create inclusive cultures. I'm going to try to help companies put employees first. I'm going to try to help companies not make the same mistake that I made. And so inevitably what I'm doing now and what I've been doing since the pandemic started is running a company that called the E1B2 Collective, Employees First, Business Second. That business model is a holding company. And within that holding company, I sit at the center and there's many different brands, partners and employees that surround me. And every single company tries to do its very best to put employees first with the product design, with the solutions that we build, with our executions, the way that we run our teams here internally, and everything that we put out to the world from a content perspective. Whether that's my podcast, whether this is conversation in this keynote and, and fireside chat form now. Um, so everything that I do is putting employees first. Um, a couple of those companies that exist within this business model, we have a Benny, um, we have Almost Insight, we have Beyond Brand, which I'll talk to you about that kind of fits into what we're going to be describing today. We have a Beyond Resume, we have MindStand Technologies. There's been a lot of work that we've done to try to make sure employees are at the center of product, at the center of services, at the center of every execution that we do. Um, and so we're working hard. You know, I'm still a very young man, but again, you probably understand why I said I feel like I'm 40. Um, when you start at 19 and you're, and you're 33, um, that can probably to a certain degree seem like a lot. Um, I've held leadership positions pretty much my entire career, which again, all of you probably can have empathy and, and understand it's a, you know, it's a, it's a tedious task and pretty heavy on the shoulders. Um, but that is my background. So 10 minutes long. Um, I know it was a lot, but I'm hoping that kind of contextualizes everything I'm going to be talking about today. So if there are, there are any questions, any perspectives, uh, any feedback, please um, let me know. I would love to love to see if anyone has uh, any thoughts, perspectives, insights on my background, on my perspectives, um, and just overall with what I said. Because again, I think my background is very different. And, um, and again, it'll round out why I come at this work from a completely different angle. So as you saw in the title, today is going to be three tips for hiring, retaining talent. Um, again, my background is very, you know, very nuanced when it comes to the hiring space. I have not held a technical head of talent or recruiter role, but obviously running these brands, I've recruited and managed and interviewed hundreds upon hundreds over my career, whether it's brands that I personally built internally with the first company, with the second company, and now this, this holding company collective, um, or whether I spent some time in house, I've been around it. And so for me, what I'll do is I'll start at the holistic atmosphere and point of view that I have when it comes to hiring, retention, and how does DEI mesh into that world? Because I, I tell you what, I don't think there's enough 
I don't think there's enough integrations. I don't think that there's enough um, implementations. I don't think there's enough decision-making bandwidth of those that are in the DEI landscape within hiring. I just don't think there's enough there right now. I, I've seen a lot of great work being done around making sure we're recruiting a lot of folks that are of color, different backgrounds, genders, etc. I think there's a decent job happening on the on the job description side of things, making sure there's a removal of bias to a certain degree with some of the copy that in the language that's put in there. Um, I'm seeing some decent work being done on compensation and making sure that things are fair and equitable. Um, but I'm not seeing enough happening within the actual interview process that can then roll over to retention, that can then roll over to that ramp up time to productivity. And so those are going to be the things that I talk about here today. At a very high level, I feel organizations are horrible. And I'll kind of double down on that. I think we, let me put myself in that category as well, since I'm hiring and building teams and things of that nature. I think we are horrible at explaining at a very, 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 very detailed level what it looks like to inevitably have and uh, educate and communicate to talent what it's actually going to be like to work inside of a department, inside of this company, and what the realities at an operational level are going to be. I just think we're really bad at it. I think, you know, I studied neuroscience for a bit of time. I think at a human being level, it's like dating, right? You know, I just got married here um, a, a couple of weeks ago. Uh, but when I first met my wife eight years ago, I was very candid about my background. I was very candid about the things that I don't think she would maybe appreciate. And that helped us kind of navigate some of those inevitable ebbs and flows. But what I think most people do in dating, which we probably can all agree, is that we try to look the best, smell the best, be the best during that first meeting, during that first interview, during that first date. And what we typically do is we try to say all the right things and do all the right things. And inevitably throughout that relationship, six months in, a year in, five years in, people start to find out about the real human being that sits within. They start to find out about certain pet peeves, certain variables, certain things that are not necessarily the greatest. And that could potentially hinder the success of the, of the relationship. Now, what a lot of people I believe should do is kind of like what I did, and this is kind of going to be the foundation of what I'm explaining. Let's just explain everything up front in a very transparent way. What that's going to do is it's going to create an inclusive environment where, in this particular example, your potential spies, your potential partner can feel psychologically safe and comfortable to ask you about certain some of those things that maybe that aren't so good to figure out if this is going to be the best relationship for them. And so I always felt, again, going back to the overall hierarchy, you know, hierarchy and kind of perspective, I always feel that organizations are horrible when it comes at this. They're trying to look the best, be the best, because there's a lot of competition out here. There are more small businesses, more high growth startups, more large organizations in America today than ever before. And the, and the war on talent is getting incredibly difficult. So I get it. You have to be strategic. You have to be um, thoughtful. You have to try to look at your employer branding, your, your job descriptions, your leaders. You, you got to try to present this aura, present this aesthetic, present this environment that says this is the best company for you to be at. And here's why. But here's what it doesn't give you an invitation to do. It doesn't give you an invitation to BS and it doesn't give you an invitation to control the to, to control the interview process where the person on the other side does not feel inclusive. 
The person on the other side does not feel psychologically safe to push and understand and dive into certain elements of the work. It doesn't, it doesn't give you the invitation to not allow that person to really make a thoughtful decision. So my goal when building out Beyond Brand and my goal for today is I'm going to assume that we all are going to continue to try to show up our best and frankly be our, our ways through recruiting talent. I'm just going to assume that. So today what I'm going to try to do is explain a real creative way of how to not do that but do so in a way that doesn't make you stop that natural behavior. So I'm going to try to help you as potentially head of DNI, heads of HR, folks that are maybe going to be sitting in this recruiting sector. I'm going to help you find ways to communicate things about your company proactively early in the hiring process in a way that doesn't put you in the seat, in the position when you're actually trying to interview someone to, to be something that you're not. Because I know for a fact, we're all gonna show up and be the best that we can be and present this present this positive experience. So what I'm gonna try to do is try to give some, some perspectives on how to be more inclusive, be more transparent, be more honest in a way that I think is scalable, in a way that I think is productive, in a way that I think is transparent. Um, so I'm gonna pause, I've said a lot. Uh, I wanna see if anyone has any questions, comments, thoughts, perspectives. Um, I'll wait a few moments. If not, I'll dive right in and get to tip and perspective number one. I'll kind of wait here for a moment. Okay, so what I'll do is I'll dive into the first thing. I believe the head of DEI and the role of the head of DEI needs to be structured in a different way. We, as folks that are inside these companies, we need to give heads of DEI more bandwidth more leadership, more title, more decision-making ability. That is objectively true. It makes no sense to me why someone that is in a head of DEI position and seat does not have the ability to inevitably make things happen with very little friction or decision-making pushback. I'm, I'm very, my mind boggles all the time why, why CEOs, COOs, even certain chief people officers, um, other folks at the C-suite level or VP levels, I'm always very curious of why they're trying to push their narrative and their perspective in the seats, in the in the, in the way of those in those head of DEI uh, positions. Like, I'll just be very blunt and, and transparent. They don't know what they're talking about. Anyone that's sitting in a head of DEI spot genuinely understands his work at a very deep level and is such a sensitive and unique role and has such an incredible and unique and sensitive impact to the company that there should be very little pushback from someone unless they've researched that position, researched the impact, researched the outcomes, and really understands what they're talking about. And so that's just one macro point of view that I wanted to get out here. Beyond that, though, what I want to talk about is the role of the head of DEI as well as the head of talent. So those folks need to start working together. And here's what I mean by that. We need to sit down and find different ways for the head of talent and the head of and the head of DEI to make the hiring process more real, more authentic. So there are things inside of your company today that are not great operationally, that are not great at a leadership level, that are not great at a communication level, that are not great at a product level, that are not great at a service level, that are not great at a market market structure level. And if you want to find the best talent that are going to, that again, that's going to feel inclusive. That's going to be able to raise up 
really great points and push back against the normal, right? Drive innovation. If you want that to happen, you have to be able to explain very honestly about what's happening inside of your organization early in the process. And the best way to do that is to create content around certain categories and I'm going to explain now. And the best way to do that also with that content is to push that content in a video format in front of talent after they apply, right? Because this is what happens, right? You have a bunch of people that apply for a particular role inside of a particular department. And there are certain operational realities that are existing within that department. And you know what they are. And again, I'll get to these categories in a moment because you're probably wondering why I keep saying operational realities. But once you're done the screening call, you're going to have then another, another kind of section of people that are excited to potentially be a part of the role and be a part of the company. Those individuals don't want to waste their time. You as an organization don't want to waste your time. And then in the middle, you want to actually have the interview be a nice back and forth, transparent, inclusive, honest, you know, conversational moment where folks can really dive into some good conversation and good work. And in order to allow that to happen, you have to push some sort of information out to applicants after the screen that can prepare them for round one where they really know what they're getting into so they can either A, bow out of the race, or B, show up to the interview understanding things at a very deep level. So before I get into these, actually, no, I'll get into the categories. I've been, I've been holding on for these for a little bit. So what am I talking about when I say operational realities and inclusivity and, and being honest and transparent? So let's say, I always use this example. Let's say you're hiring for a marketing role, right? So this may be the CMO that we're talking about that needs to be creating some of this content around some of these categories. We may be talking about a VP of marketing. We may be talking about, um, let's just use those two examples. Let's use the VP of marketing. Let's use a CMO, right? And within that individual, you need to be communicating some of these following categories I'm going to read off here. Tell me about your leadership decision-making frameworks, right? Leadership decision-making frameworks, we all have them, right? You know them. If you sit down and really think thoughtfully, you know about how you personally, as you as a leader, are going to make the final decisions on variances of, 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 of things they need to make decisions on. You know you may have a four-step process, a two-step process, a three-step process. You know the frameworks and how you make those decisions. You know the frameworks and how you make those decisions and who you bring in and who you involve in those decision-making. Right. And so if you're having someone that wants to join your team and they just left the company that did not have great decision making frameworks that they didn't appreciate and they hear from you that you have something that's completely different right after the screen call. Right. Right after the screen call that inspires them, that motivates them, that seems very much inclusive and honest and transparent. They may get more excited to be a part of the interview. They may show up their better version of themselves. They may show up asking deeper, more contextual, nuanced questions. Thus, now the interview is turning into a really nice moment where both parties can really figure out if this is going to be a good fit. Another thing you may want to talk about is leadership change management norms, change management communication. Again, things you know at an operational level. These things show up every single day. Meeting structure and cadence, right? Department day-to-day -day operations. Um, let me see some more. Salary increases. Walk us through, through your role as a CMO in this particular example. When it comes to promotions, when it comes to salary increases, what's your overall support? What's your overall impact? 
How do you help? How do you get involved? Again, you may be interviewing someone that just left a company that did not have a great person at the top that had their back, that had their support. And maybe they're looking for that. And maybe on the flip side, you don't have any support in that. You don't have any role in that. That's all in HR. That's all in a completely different unit of the business. And maybe you don't have any say. So maybe that's not the best place. But you actually want that. You want to be transparent. You want to be real. You want to be honest about those variances, those variables. Because if you're not going to be honest about that, inevitably what's going to happen is that person is going to join your company. And inevitably when that comes up, and it could be eight months from now, but when that comes up and they're looking for you to have their back when it comes to decision making around salaries and increases and, and, and raise their hand and say, hey, we believe this person deserves a shot at the increase and you don't have their back or you don't have the bandwidth to have their back. That's going to bring up red flags for them. That's going to feel very similar to the company they just left. Productivity is going down. You know, NPS scores are going down, trust for the organization is going down, engagement's going down, a lot of things that we know are important, right? Handling misalignment. How do you react, communicate, and address misalignment? Best ways and worst ways to ramp up to productivity. Tell this potential marketing, tell this potential marketing new hire the way the best ways to ramp up, how you expect them to ramp up, what you expect them to do to ramp up, your weaknesses as a leader. Your visibility and availability and accessibility to your direct reports, your ideation processing speed, right? When direct reports bring you an idea to your attention, how, how long do you personally take to react, to respond, think through? How do you, how, how much of the co-creation process will you be involved in? So these are things that a lot of leaders are just simply not communicating early in the hiring process. And if I'm being really raw with you, they're not really communicating any of these factors until best case onboarding, worst case, they're just letting their employees find out the hard way. So you have to be transparent about a lot of these categories. These categories are important. These categories are real. These categories are operational. These categories show up all the time. Let me give you a couple more. You know, holding and having difficult conversations as a leader. Right. Department inclusivity examples of this department being inclusive. Right. Again, in, in a 2022 world heading into 2023, we all know what that looks like and feels like. And we all know the definition. And I'm telling you right now, employees, applicants, the workforce today, they're expecting DEI to be baked in not only the overall values that the company stands for, not only in the JDs, not only in the, um, the, 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 the ways in which they were recruited, they're looking for DEI to show up in the day-to-day -day moments. They're looking for DEI to show up in how you as a leader are impacting their overall vibe, their energy, their innovation processes, the, the, their, their ability to bring up new ideas, who they are as an employee. I'll give you one more. Empowering individual contributors to utilize autonomy. How does that show up? When does that show up? How often does that show up? Again, these are things that you as a leader, you know how you are working. You know these answers. Like you know these answers at a real level and it's important for you to think about them, right? So the third tip I'm gonna give you here today and then we'll wrap up for questions, insights, perspective and, and I'll tell you how this all works. Um, don't be afraid to be honest. Don't be afraid to be transparent. Don't be afraid to be direct. Employees love what I'm talking about. Here at Beyond Brand, we've done this at scale. So what we've done in our overall process to do a quick plug so you understand how it works, 
We sit down as a third party, which again in a DEI world is very important because it creates uh, it, it creates a lot of honest moments here that employees love because they love to see a third party come in and drive and extract nuance and detail. We sit down as a third party, right? Consultants. We have former heads of DEI, former heads of people. We sit down with, in this particular example, the CMO, the HR director, uh, the HR director, the uh, director of marketing. We sit down, we go through about 25 of those categories that I just listed off, and we are facilitating. So we're understanding at a very deep level the answers, the nuances, the truth of every single one of the questions. We take that content, and usually is about 90 minutes, we chop it up into little six to seven minute bite-sized videos. We put it onto a website, beautiful landing page with all the different colors and videos, and we title each. So each of the videos will be titled, you know, 90 day new hire impact, new hire psychology, new hire psychological, you know, psychological safety over the first 90 days, uh, DEI efforts, visibility and availability and accessibility, weaknesses as a leader. These will be the titles, right? So again, giving the power back to the employee to really be able to navigate and see, you know what? This one's going to be important for me. This one's going to be important. And this one's going to be important. Those three videos, me as an employee, I want to sit back and I want to hear how they're explaining their perspectives and their nuances. And more importantly, the operational realities that exist within these categories. And I want to know the truth. And if the truth sounds like and feels like what I just left, no thank you. Which again, as leaders, we know that's actually a good use of time because we don't want to waste our time. But if it sounds different, if it sounds interesting, if it sounds inclusive, if it sounds equitable, if it sounds like something I can be a part of that, that gets me excited and amped up, then I want to lean in. I want to learn more. I want to understand more. So don't be afraid to be transparent. Don't be afraid to be honest. Don't be afraid to be direct. Don't be afraid to go out on the limb and just explain what is. In this overall practice that I just shared today, there's no right or wrong answer. There's no right or wrong answer. It's just the truth. And that's what it all comes down to. You as a leader, you know the truth at an operational level about what's happening, what's existing within your company today. And it's your duty. It's your responsibility. It's an expectation of the workforce today that you are being honest about these things. Because here's the bottom line and here's the overall benefit. If you do these things, psychological safety in, in interview number one is going to increase. Interview two is going to increase. Interview three is going to increase. You know what that does? That creates a more honest, transparent, fluid, back and forth conversation that allows you as the employer and the applicant to meet in the middle or not faster. So now you're looking at time to hire numbers uh, going down. Now you're looking at ramp up the productivity numbers um, looking a lot more positive. You're looking at NPS scores. You're looking at new hire psychological, psychological, psychological safety scores coming across in a, in a really unique way. You're looking at perspectives in, in perspectives of, of the organization over the first 90 days, 180 days, six months of the organization. You're looking at employer branding at an organic level doing well, right? So you're looking at a lot of things that are going to help productivity. It's going to help you as a leader hire someone to be on your team that's going to know how to be a, a better team member from frankly day one. And even if they don't know how to be a better team member at an in and out level, they're going to be inevitably able to work with you 
to understand a little bit more about these nuances because you've given them the secret already. You've been transparent up front. And the last thing I'll say is it behooves you as an organization to take the content after you're done finding these roles and push it into your, own, in, into your internal comms, push it into your intranets and allow this information to support the onboarding process, right? So just to go back to the categories, if there's ever a moment where you know a, a new hire is feeling like they're not ramping up fast enough, right? They can go right back to that video that says best and worst ways to ramp up to productivity. If they're feeling like there's going to be a misalignment, they can immediately go back to saying, how is my leader going to handle this misalignment? So they can proactively work out the, the kinks before they approach you. If they ever feel like there's a miscommunication, if there's some change management happening, they can immediately go back to that video and say, here's inevitably how the change management process communications is going to go. Let me brace myself. Let me get ready. So um, those are my perspectives. That's everything. Um, my name's AJ Vaughn, by the way. I don't even know if I gave you my name. So my name's AJ Vaughn. Um, those, you know, officially it's Anthony, but everyone calls me AJ. And uh, yeah, that's about 33 minutes. So I figured I'd kind of pause for a second, field any questions, comments, insights, perspective. Um, if you don't have them, no worries. If you do have them, uh, let's let's jump in and, and, and go over some some few, uh, a few thoughts and perspectives. But that's really it. Um, I think for me, this work is important. This work is impactful. This work is something that's needed. And uh, I just wanted to share some thoughts and, and hopefully you all could engage and understand and and believe in what I'm doing, because you all can do this, too. Like there are ways to do this in, inside of an organization at a scrappy way that doesn't involve beyond brand that doesn't involve me. I just wanted to kind of give you that energy and that perspective. No, I appreciate hey. you as well. Hey, AJ, how you doing this clip? Got a quick question here for Catherine. Yeah. Think about blind hiring. Say that again, I'm sorry? What do you think, your thoughts on blind hiring? Give me some more context. I have many thoughts, but I want to see where you're coming at from this question, what angle you're coming at. All right, definitely what I can do. Catherine, if you would like to jump on, I can allow you to talk. Sure. Hi, um, this is Catherine. Yeah. I I actually received um, an email from the Global Inclusion Online Forum, and they're doing the the world's first blind hiring experiment. Interesting. Um, where they essentially, I think, what I'm getting from it is that, um, like the whole hiring process, you know, blurs out names. Yeah. Um, you like voice, face, everything like that. Um, and my first instinct was like, but I'm a people person. How will I actually like connect with people? But so I'm wondering, um, like, do you think it's kind of worth it to kind of remove the human element in order to make a more equitable hiring process? Let me let me ask you this question. And I'll give you my perspective. Who do you think this process behooves more, the employee or the company? Hmm. I did not think about that. But who's what do you? But who? Not, yeah, they, that's actually. I just <laughs> I've been using that word a lot lately because I heard someone <laughs> say, "But who's but who's that, uh, pretty much means like who do you think that this this technique uh, benefits more?" Right. Um, I I can't I can't parse that apart in my head right now. <laughs> yeah, no worries. Yeah. My, my gut tells me because uh, I've heard about this a bit. My gut tells yeah. me. 
this helps. Sorry, that's my cat here. Uh, this helps. This helps an organization. Th this helps both, but I, this helps both. And here's the different variances of how. It, it, it helps the employee because it removes a lot of bias, clearly, that human beings naturally have. Um, it helps the organization because at the same time, there's no way of knowing if leaders inside the organization has the ability to remove that bias. And there's been a lot of data and studies and, and science that have showed it's, it's almost impossible to remove that. I mean, you're talking about years and years and years of upbringing and, and thoughts and sounds and perspectives and all these things. So, so the behooving in this particular example may look even, but here's what I'll say. I don't hate it, but to your point, the humanistic nature of it does get lost. Meaning, if I'm someone on paper as an applicant that does not jump off, amazing, right? Um, but there are some contextual nuances of my background that I need to explain, that I need to go through, that can show my energy, that can show my personality, that kind of works better in a one-on-one kind of environment, looking at a person and feeding off of that energy, then this process would obviously not benefit them as much, right? Exactly. Yeah. yeah. I, and I work in the disabilities, um, like inclusion space got it. And, and that's like, I know for like, I've got a friend who has speech impediment, so I think it would really gratefully help him. Right. But I personally have like lots of gaps, um, due to like my disability yeah. and I, I need to be able to explain those and show my personality. So yeah, it's, it's that you lose some things you gain, but thank you for, for your perspective. Yeah. hundred percent. Any other questions, thoughts? I, I would love uh, I would love anyone's perspective just at a high level on what I inevitably what I've kind of shared, you know, you know, is um, is, is anyone does anyone have a thought, a perspective on, you know, being that honest, being that transparent that early on, you know, and, and how that how that can make the hiring process more inclusive. Uh, does anyone have thoughts on that? No thoughts? And Kathy, you're still here as well, so I don't know if you have any quick thoughts on that, if, if anyone doesn't have any thoughts on that one. I do. I wanted to leave space for other people. <laughs> yeah, no worries. I, I, um, yeah, go ahead. Yeah, I um, I personally... Well, both person. This is another one that, like, especially from... At, as a neurodivergent, you know, person with disabilities um, coming into a hiring process... I'm definitely looking for those signs straight up in the in the job description yeah. on the company website, right? All of that, yeah. and I might apply if I don't see it, like depending on some other factors, but also because like the you know the hiring manager is is such an important like right or like my direct manager yeah. is so important um, to my experience, yeah. so even if the company isn't like fully inclusive, if I'm working with somebody who really gets me, it can be helpful, especially if they have some other resources available like ERGs and stuff. Yeah. So, but I mean, I think to really making a fully inclusive, like overall professional experience for everybody, I think it really should be upfront. Yeah. Um, yeah. I appreciate that. And, and I'm seeing some of the, the, the comments coming in now. Um, you know, for me, and this, I want to get all of your feedback on this too. Like for me, 
because I see Cassandra, you know, Smith saying, you know, she aims to to share the challenges of the role in the interviews. And I see some other comments here. Um, for me, I, I know companies are sharing challenges. I know companies are being honest uh, at times um, and recruiters. Right. Who, frankly, let's call what it is, are, are the gatekeepers. That's another thing, too, that a lot of people aren't actually talking about. Recruiters and TA, like we have, they have so much responsibility. Like they can make or break someone's life to a certain degree if you really think about it, right? Because if you can't get past them, then you don't inevitably get an opportunity for that eighty thousand dollar a year job, hundred thousand dollar a year job, whatever it's going to be to change your family's lives or to put food on your table. Um, but to a certain degree, what I would love some feedback on and some just conversation and perspective around is. I have no doubt that everyone's being transparent and honest, um, but I'm wondering what are the thoughts around some of the categories that I went into? Because I don't, and, and, and I just want to know from at a macro level, you know, I know for my hiring throughout my career of running brands, and, I know, and I've been around this work a lot, I'm not seeing too many companies get really granular into the categories that I'm talking about. So not just the role, but like getting like really deep into those nuances proactively. And I know it's hard to, to, to scale that. Um, and this is a way, but I'm just wondering just at a holistic level, are there any thoughts there, um, any perspectives there around how to get super, super deep inside of some of the categories that I've explained? So not just the challenges of the role, but some of those deep nuances of those categories that really can can churn out someone because the last thing I'll say, and I'll let anyone jump in here. If, if someone like, again, I'll pull back, I'll pull this up again. Like if someone left a previous company and now in your pipeline to try to apply for a role based off of a meeting structure and cadence, and they forget, for example, to ask that question during the interview, right? Um, I think it probably makes a lot of sense to try to find a way to explain about the meeting structure and cadence to some degree, because the way you may go about it as a leader may be completely opposite or similar to the way they just left that previous company. And that can really ebb and flow whether they want to be a, a part of the company or not. And, and I see another comment here, decision-making frameworks as well, right? Like that's super important. Like, and, and giving those like detailed examples are going to be key. So I know it's scary. I know it's different. Um, I know it's super, super micro and niche, but I'm wondering if anyone has any thoughts, comments, would like to come up and say anything, but just would love some feedback on how like how detailed and like granular we're getting. I see Cassandra might might pop up here. And hopefully I'm saying her name correctly. Cassandra, Cassandra, hopefully. Hey, how are you? Hi, I'm good. Uh, yeah, Cassandra. Cassandra, um, this, yeah. Yeah, I am a recruiter. I've been recruiting for about seven years across different industries, uh, mostly clinical research and pharmaceutical. I just transitioned into news and media recruitment, though, Fair. so it's a, a very different industry. But, um, you know, one of the things that I always, you know, not just challenges, but yeah. people do. I will say that people do ask pretty specific questions about why did the previous person leave the role? What is the, you know, the expectation for success uh, look like 30, 60, 90 days for, for this position. Yeah. Um, and sometimes it's hard as a recruiter because um, I don't know, maybe they haven't thought that maybe we know we need somebody to be a data engineer, but we don't know where that position will contribute, you know, future 
down the line. We don't yeah. know what success might look like. And so being transparent about maybe that's not laid out. That is a challenge. We've never, maybe we've never had somebody in that role previously. You're building the role out yourself. You're building the department out. Um, maybe we've seen a lot of turnover on the team um, and we're rebuilding the team. I'm very transparent about those, you know, kinds of things that may impact your ability to be successful. Um, I also have seen a lot of growth in the compensation transparency yeah. um, uh, arena, which I think is really fantastic. Um, but I also sometimes I email people even before I get on an interview with them to say, hey, I saw that in your application, you're looking for X salary, X salary, and I can't meet that salary requirement. Do you even want to interview? Yeah. Um, trick people into an interview, trick people into a process. That's not a good use of their time or a good use of mine. So um, but I do think that transparency has been something that has made me very successful as a recruiter um, because people come into the role and don't feel like I sold them something that they didn't want to buy. Yeah. Can, can, I, can I ask you one question, too, just for clarity? Um, do you think it would be helpful for you personally, right, within your role if, if, the, if the department that you're recruiting for and the head of that department or inevitably, like, that that applicant's supervisor direct report do you think it'd be helpful at all if if there was like some sort of a co-creation moment where they could like there could be certain categories that like they kind of give you like the the nuances and the details and some sort of a video or written format that can kind of be sent like i'm just looking for feedback here would that be helpful at all for your particular role for certain answers and questions that you can't answer all answer it at the level of depth that a supervisor will be able to is that is that would that be helpful yeah and actually that's something that uh we currently do at my current organization so we use a applicant tracking system called greenhouse yeah. um that has uh where you create your phone interview kits um as well as your what the hiring interview kits are so we define before i even phone screen people what are uh our technical uh, competencies that we're looking for. So if we're looking for someone that has cloud engineering experience, um, I make sure that I ask a question around that. If I don't know how to ask a question around that, I'd say, how would you ask that question in a phone interview? Um, and so I can assess that within a phone screen. Sometimes if I'm hiring for um, a specific, like recently I hired for a Salesforce developer. I had no idea how to assess whether they knew how to do uh, lightning web components or not. So they gave me what a good answer looked like and what a a maybe a mediocre answer looked like from from their perspective. So I'm going in um, and and having those resources. Yeah, Greenhouse has been fantastic. Um, it has that yes no category, which I really appreciate um, in terms of feedback, um, and it allows us to tie certain questions that we're asking to competencies that we're looking for within the job. Yeah. Um, so so we do that already. Um, I think we could be doing even more than that. I mean, obviously, I, sometimes if I don't even know the answer, somebody asks a question, I don't know. I said, I don't want to give you the wrong answer. I would love for you to bring that forward to the hiring manager. I might not be the best person to yeah. give you that answer. Yeah. Okay. I appreciate that. Yeah. Thank you. Anthony, it's Jeremy. Can you hear me? I can. How are you? I'm doing real good. Thanks for asking. Um, I think from your perspective, like looking for input, um, so I run a global talent acquisition organization for a company based in San Francisco in about 25 different com uh, countries. Yeah. I think your perspective of the categories of building deeper collateral are pretty, are pretty spot on. I think the challenges I see is how do you drive that engagement from the executives, even to the hiring managers to be able to build out that collateral and, you know, deeper insight for candidates to get the perspective earlier in the interview process. I think 
this day and age, speed time matters. Um, I mean, we're struggling with managers to even put together good job descriptions. Um, so we've started using, when you talk about like leadership styles or leadership behaviors, that's the type of collateral we're sending to our candidates as kind of like post screen, post first round interview. These are the expectations to be a leader. But I think as a lead, as a recruitment leader, I think if you can go deeper, you're also giving employees a better perspective the day in the life at the company versus going three rounds of interviews, which, you know, my philosophy is time is money. So yep. why waste three hours of your interviewers and your candidates where you get to the finish line and it's not going to work out? Or if they do come on board, they're frustrated with the environment or the culture based yeah. on, you know, previous experiences. So I think you're on to something. It's just, you know, I think the how do you build the collateral when I'm hiring for I don't know, 80 different roles across the organization to be able to meet meet your kind of candidates in the middle to make it customized enough. So I, I love the perspective. Yeah, I appreciate it. And I can give a little bit of thoughts on what we've done. Um, so we work at the department level. It's really hard to break it down to the role level, right? So let's say a department's hiring for 40 or 50, 80 different roles, like you were saying. Like, it's really tough to break it and contextualize it to that role. So we kind of take a lot of these these categories and cover for the department at a macro and to get even to like a point that you made earlier on, um, I, I fully I fully understand and feel you, man. Like the the CEO or I mean I mean you you gotta have some pretty high level C suite folks. I don't want to use the word mandate because that's a tough word to be using these days, but they gotta push very aggressively to make sure a couple different things. Number one, the managers have enough bandwidth in their schedule to work on something like this, right? Um, or number two, there needs to be some sort of understanding the importance of this. So, you know, if we need to get, you know, in, in certain client deals that I've done, excuse me, if I need to get the CFO involved and really open up the open up the finances here and show some of the negative implications financially of, of that churn of that new hire, you know, and, and kind of get 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 that in the mix to try to get some decisions to go a different way. We, we, we've done that. Um, but to your point. The, there needs to be some high-level C-suite executives that say this is going to be what we do, period, end of discussion, and we're going to be blanking this out throughout the company and giving the managers very little wiggle room because if the managers are not willing to really get deep into this work and to be very transparent and honest and go through some of these categories and be very candid about it, um, that's going to be problematic inevitably for that new hire that may be joining their team. Um and as far as speed is concerned, we've worked hard to kind of get it down to about um, we've worked hard to get it down to about a, a two week turnaround and a three hour full in and out process. But to your point, again, a lot of these answers folks have. So for us, you know, we tried that facilitation process as well works. Right. So we're a third party facilitator. So we kind of we're, we're trained to facilitate some of these categories so that the managers don't have to already have done the hard work of figuring out the answers. Um, but everything you shared are problems that we see all the time and companies have to kind of make an effort to make this part of the manager's responsibility and give them the bandwidth to do it, you know? Yeah, I, I agree. I mean, at the department level, I think it makes a lot more sense. Yep. I appreciate all this feedback. Guys. This is, this is really helpful. Anyone else? It's Catherine again. Perfect. Um, I'm curious, do you have like a visual or something that you use for like how you're working with these categories? Like what, like what does it look like? 
Yeah, I, I realized just like just from you speaking, this is one of uh, my neurodivergent challenges is I wasn't really able to kind of comprehend it entirely. So I'm just wondering if you have like a visual of yeah, how you're working with it or. Um, I mean, I have the raw. I mean, I, like what I was going off of was just pretty much like a, a Google Doc with like the right, 75, right, right. 80 categories that we utilize. Would that be helpful to kind of show you or share with you or. Uh, sure. Yeah. Yeah. If, if you if you wanna if you wanna pop your email in the chat box here, I can sh I can share this with any of you, you know, because uh, these categories, you know, our team adds, you know, we have a we have a, a a process and an expectation internally to add ten ten to fifteen of these categories and or questions inside of this uh, inside of this uh, document every week, um, and 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 we research a lot to find the best categories that I think the job market is looking for. Um, so yeah, I can definitely do that for you. Yeah. And I guess while we're waiting for anyone else to ask any questions and I'm looking at the time here to wrap up, um, you know, there, there's no perfect science to this science to this. Right. I think recruiters have struggles at times in certain elements. Um, I think managers internally have certain issues uh, when it comes to certain transparency levels and, and as well as um, their own bandwidth. But. I just think whether it's utilizing something that, you know, obviously that I built or just trying to find a scrappy way to do it, however you can, it's incredibly, 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 incredibly important to dive deep um, into some of these micro categories. I just think I just think it really gives you your biggest bang for your buck, because at the end of the day, some of the categories that I've alluded to today and, and many others will they could be possibly the categories that churned out them at their previous company, right? And, I, and I'll just do one or two more just as we close out to give you some, some understanding of this, right? Like if there is a category or question that goes into, um, if an employer requests a workflow restructure due to feeling overwhelmed or, or, or nuanced misalignments, walk us through your process of managing that situation, right? Like that's very, that's very micro. But I've personally seen folks leave my team and leave other teams because of the workflow misalignment, right? The bandwidth misalignment, the expectation misalignment there. And, and if I'm someone coming into an organization, I want to know how you're going to approach it at a real authentic level. And frankly, I want to see that conversation and that nuance being facilitated by a third party. And that's probably the last piece that we'll round out today. A lot of companies... Again, and I brought this up in the beginning, a lot of companies are doing their very best to show up as their best versions of themselves and to share the most transparent, honest, yet also be thoughtful about what it looks like to an applicant. But I think what organizations are finding today, and there's a lot of research in the DNI landscape that shows this, having third parties joining and, and, and kind of facilitating things, employees really appreciate that because they believe that that's another step closer to just honesty, truth, um, and, and transparency, right? And so it's not perfect. There's no perfect science to this, but I think for me, doing something like this, and even some of the things that um, Cassandra was going through as well, like doing something like this uh, can really help and, and being transparent can really help and pushing your managers and your leaders to, to do this and um, building out some band within their schedule to make it happen. So, um, that's all I got for you today. My cat's freaking out. She's going crazy. Um, any other questions or thoughts before I wrap? I'll definitely field and take them.
Thank you so much, AJ. We really appreciate it. Um, and for anybody that would like to communicate to AJ, feel free. Uh, within our our, our, our our hostess, you can communicate to him directly um, through the main channel. Thank you so much, AJ. Appreciate really. it. Thank you so much. And this will conclude this session.